Yeah, it's, it's the folks back there in the bleachers. <laughs> the bleachers. <laughs> okay, Daniel chapter 9. Back into the 70 weeks. Here I'm, I'm yelling at you guys and I'm sitting in Jeremiah. That's not going to work. <laughs> okay. Daniel chapter 9. And I'm there too now. <laughs> Beginning verse 24. Seventy weeks have been determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you, <clears throat> you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince... There'll be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built up again in, with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. After the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the, of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined." And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abomination, he will come and who makes desolate, even until a complete des- destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Simple enough, right? Makes, makes perfect sense. Kind of. Kind of. That's good. We're getting better. And that's the whole point. The more we, you know, get familiar with this, the more it starts making sense. Because believe it or not, it actually does. Okay? Now, first of all, the division of the 70 weeks, the 70 weeks in this description are divided into three parts. It'll say seven weeks in verse in verse 25. Let me go back up there. So you know and just from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, the Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Seven and 62 equals? 69. Come on, there's some homeschoolers in here. You should know. (laughs) There's 69 weeks, right? And there are 70 weeks determined. Well, that 70th week shows up down there in verse 27. Now, which we will, will be another, that'll be a lesson all by itself. So you got seven weeks, 62 weeks, and then down in verse 27, you have one week, which is that 70th. And again, as we talked about like last time, these are weeks of years. And um, so in total, you have 407 times 70 is a total of 490 years, as per verse 24, are determined upon your people, Daniel, Right, your people being Israel, so Israel is the key to understanding this. Now, verse twenty-five, the beginning of the sixty-nine weeks, which is the that first four hundred eighty-three years, the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Now, this was an this was an answer to Daniel's prayer. Let's look at Daniel nine. 17, 
Daniel, an extremely righteous man, and uh, one who the angel Gabriel told him on behalf of God was a man highly esteemed. How would you like to hear that? Okay, nine, beginning in 917. <clears throat> and here's Daniel's prayer. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications for your sake, O Lord. Let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we are not, pre- we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, O my God, do not delay because your city and your people are called by your name. You notice the thrust of that prayer? Isn't one, help me, Lord, because I'm one of your guys, right? Although that would not be an improper prayer necessarily, but it would be far from perfect. <laughs> Here is a more perfect prayer, especially in the context of Israel. Israel, the chosen people, right? The, the, that nation that was brought up by God to represent him on the earth and which that nation, of course, failed time and time again. They were um, throughout, you could just read the Old Testament. It's just one failure after another, quite frankly. But that's the that's perspective of his prayer. As a matter of fact, it's not on our notes, but in reading this and reading this, let's look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, beginning of verse 22. Ezekiel now being a contemporary of Daniel, who was also in uh, Babylon with Daniel during the captivity. Daniel was no in the courthouse of the king, and Ezekiel was out among the people, but they were both in Babylon. Yes, Ezekiel 36, uh, beginning of verse 22. Now here is uh, one of the many things the Lord told Ezekiel to tell the people. And this is the Lord's commandment. You're going to notice Daniel's prayer is consistent with the Lord's command to tell the people. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord. And there's actually, and again, this whole thing is coming to that point in time, and it's not there yet, when the whole world, all the nations will know that I am the Lord. Okay, that time is still out there. That's still out there in our, in our future as well. Verse 24. For I will, take, so I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle you clean with water, with water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. 
That hasn't happened yet either. We are talking about 100% of national Israel. But that also is in the future. Okay? And when we talk about the uh, kingdom, the millennium, we'll, that's when this will come, up, come to pass. And verse 20, uh, 28, and, I will live in the, and you will live in the land and, and that, I, that I gave your forefathers, so you, so you will be my people, and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness, and I, will call, and I will call for the grain and multiply it, and I will not bring famine on you, and I will multiply the fruit of the tree and produce the field. And it goes on about that, and then verse 31, okay, about everything's perfect conditions. You, we can read about that in, like, Isaiah has a couple of chapters, like, you know, the wolf will lie down with the lamb, and the, the, the lion will graze in the grass, and uh, the, you know, It'll, the deserts will prosper and plant and, and plant and be bountiful. Verse thirty-one. No, then then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that you did, not, and you will loathe yourselves in the sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Another word for that is repentance. And you just keep you keep reading, and I'm just going to jump down to verse thirty-eight. Like the flock for, for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feast, so will the waste cities be filled with flocks of men. Then they will know that I am the Lord. And again, that's where all this is going. And that's the point. Uh, the, the big point, there's a, well, I don't want to get sidetracked. Now, but the four decrees, okay, that's Dan, that was answered to Daniel's prayer, now, the termination of the 69, the first 69 weeks, terminates when Messiah comes. Verse 25. Okay, 925. Okay. Let's, let's say that one more time, because it, it does get confusing at first glance. It really does. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince... Messiah the Prince is Messiah Jesus. That's Messiah the Prince being referred to here. They obviously didn't know the name Jesus. We do. We have the great advantage of looking back in history. They had the distinct advantage of trying to look forward and figure this stuff out. Okay? Lots of luck. Very difficult. Now, now, to the coming of Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and... 62 weeks. 7 plus 62 is 69. Let me keep reading. I'll try to make sense of why that was divided. Then after, let me just keep going. Then, well, okay, let me, 7 weeks and 62 weeks, it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of this. What will rebuilt? The Jerusalem will be rebuilt. That portion of this 7 and 62 will happen in the 7. What is that? Well, if you want to read about the rebuilding, that particular portion of time there, that 7 weeks, that 49-year period, you can read about that in Ezra and Nehemiah. Okay? That's the rebuilding. They went, they went back. They were released from captivity by the Persians, Medo-Persians, and they went back. And there was several times. Ezra took a group, Nehemiah group, and they met back there, and you can read all about it in Ezra and Nehemiah. And under turbulent times, they had turbulent times back there. There was people in the land that 
didn't want them coming back, okay? And so, matter of fact, you, uh, you, re you read Esther, there was people back in uh, Persia that didn't want them to leave. They wanted them wiped out. Remember Haman and all those honorary uh, critters? Yeah, there was... Israel's always had enemies. You know that? Just always, always, always. Even today, nothing different. It means by being, for the most part of their history, a disobedient, rebellious nation. By being disobedient to God, they were profaning his name to the world, to the rest of the world, to the nations. Because as God's people, they were doing a lousy job at it. And so it made... And remember, back then, there were no atheists. There was a lot of polytheists that believed in multiple gods, but when they went to war, it was basically my God against your God. And because Israel so often fell under judgment at the hand of God, God, the true God, was perceived by the nations as being weak, inferior to their God. See the point? That way, so as the nations viewed things, you profane my name. Because when they, did, when they acted righteously, they prospered. When they acted wickedly, they did not prosper, and therefore the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared weak. The only, that isn't revealed the only thing I can say is, and I forget the verse, but last week we put an example where it has been used before. Numbers it was used, where a weak, in a, it's a term like our term dozen. We say one dozen, that's 12. So, and a, um, a fathom is what, six feet? Okay, there's terms that represent numbers. This is a term that represents numbers. It's not found in Scripture a lot. It's found here, and I think in Numbers and maybe another place or two. That, but I know in Numbers and here it's referred. It's just a term. That's all I can say. There, we're, there's no revelation as to why they use that term. It, they just did. God just did. That's how it was revealed. So that's, that's the best I can give you. But we do have biblical evidence that that's what it means. And it... Uh, it definitely doesn't just mean, you know, seven times seven is 49 years and the whole thing's over. Because <laughs> we know the whole thing isn't over, you know. So, does that help? That's the best I can do. It's, yeah, it's still just interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. And sometimes, too, in, other, some, in some other books, there's, uh, there's poetic expressions that you have to get through. And then there's a lot of things in scriptures that uh, are figures of speech. And if one mistakenly interprets a figure of speech, word for word, literal, you'll miss the point of the passage. You know, there's, there's a lot of things in Scripture that have to be just, that's why we study. And we, because things are the, you have to, word by word, line by line, precept upon precept. And, okay, and compare Scripture with Scripture, that's why, quite frankly, you know, I'm not bragging or complaining. Uh, it may not sound like it, but some of these things take 15, 20, 30, 40 hours to prepare. Okay? Like I say, I'm not bragging or complaining. Ask Bill. He's prepared many a lesson. This takes time. And some of them, 
more time than others, <laughs> especially if you're in something for the first time. See? Well, yeah, if we, if we spoke, well, in this case, like Old Testament, well, this one's, I was going to say, if we spoke ancient Hebrew, this would be a piece of cake. But actually, this is more of a Chaldean Aramaic <laughs> Daniel. So if we spoke that language as they spoke it in Daniel's day, it's a piece of cake. It'd be like we're talking back and forth. Um, you know, same thing, New Testament. If we spoke the first century Greek, okay, we wouldn't need a whole bunch of commentaries necessarily. We wouldn't need the language books. We still might need some commentaries. But you see what I'm saying? It's, it, it goes. There's one reference. So that's, that's the example I gave on last week's handout. Onward for Again, questions are welcome, by the way. I'm not, I'm not shutting those down. I'm just... Uh, Trying to get past the pause here. <laughs> okay. Four, there's, there, I don't think we need to look all of these up. Four decrees were actually given, which doesn't make our job interpreting any easier. But the one I believe is the best one is the fourth one, and they're given in uh, historical order here. Well, the, there was the, the original decree of Cyrus. You can read that one in Ezra 1.1. 1, 1. We're not going to turn there. Then there's the decree of Darius, which confirmed the decree of Cyrus. That was in 520 B.C., and you can read that in Ezra 6. And then you have the decree of Artaxerxes, 458, and you can read that in Ezra 7. And that one, by interesting, that was calculated to terminate in around 26 A.D., and which some consider the, that was the year our Lord was baptized. But anyway... And then the second decree of Artaxerxes, 455 B.C., and you can that one is recorded in Nehemiah 2. And that is calculated by some to terminate at the triumphal entry in 32 A.D. And I put a note under that. Note, many conservative Bible scholars today believe the crucifixion of Christ took place in 30 A.D. So right there, <laughs> in those, uh, I'm just throwing it out there, Either 32 or 30 A.D. cannot be correct, because after the 69th week, then Messiah was cut off. So, but again, we're going back deep, deep into history and doing some very intriguing math to go from, say, 445 B.C., up to approximately 30-something A.D. And the 70 weeks of Daniel, if you look at the language and the thing we don't have time to get into, those years are calculated on 360-day years, not 365. So then you have to make that correction as well. And then you have to account for leap years and so forth and so on. And the like I say, I've got a sheet of those calculations at home that uh, I didn't dare bring in. <laughs> I didn't dare bring in. <laughs> so, but see, but suffice it to say, when you look at this, if we had exact numbers, you know, if we had exact numbers, I'm it would. Like anything God says or does, it would calculate perfectly. 
the imperfection in all of this is mankind. It's us. It's us. And so when you read stuff like that, and that's why I, I put that description right here on paper, because they're out there. there there's going to be discrepancies. You know, some of these dates, maybe the decree at 445, maybe it was earlier. Who knows? I mean, you, we're talking ancient history here. <laughs> okay? So, again, don't, if you read something about that, don't let that throw you as to the validity of Scripture. All right? That isn't Scripture's fault that we're not getting it because we don't have exact historical dates. The Bible's correct. Mankind's records are fouled up. That's where you have the problem. That's where the problem is. So don't let this stuff throw you at all. Now, the events of the 69 weeks, which is 483 years. Again, divided in two parts, the seven weeks and the 62. Again, the seven weeks, 49 years, refer to the rebuilding of Jerusalem, recorded in Ezra and Nehemiah. It will be built again in times of distress. You can, uh, we won't look at those examples, but you can read the examples on your own. Ezra and Nehemiah, there was problems from all over the place. As a matter of fact, there were so many problems, but yet what was so nice, and we can see God's hand in all of this, that even in traveling from the Persian, Medo-Persian Empire back to the land, back to Jerusalem, the Artaxerxes gave them a military escort. They were protected. I mean, you know, these things, this stuff, I mean, what, what do most tyrants do if you've got a bunch of people that have been hanging around slaves for 70 years and, and doing nothing? He says, oh, you want to go back? Go. Good luck. <laughs> no, they actually escort. They actually helped carry some of the, later on, you see some of the temple stuff back. I mean, it was, it's amazing. Just uh, read. It's worth, uh, worth your while. Now, so you've got the seven weeks, and then added to that, the 62 weeks, which is four and three, four years, can, they continue on till the coming of Messiah. And we know where to find and read about the coming of Messiah, right? The Gospels. Now, then it says, Messiah will be cut off. Now, here's where it becomes real important for us. Messiah will be cut off, which literally means cut down, destroyed, killed. Okay? Um, in the Septuagint, the Greek word exolithruo is used meaning destroyed or put to death. Okay? That's exactly what it means. Let's look at, uh, we've, we've seen this before, but it's in case somebody's here that hasn't. Let's look at Psalm 22. And just, just 12 to 18, I mean, you could read the whole, virtually this whole thing talks about it. Psalm 22, 12 to 18. Gee, the, the, the scene, again, remember, this is a Psalm of David. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open their mouths at me, and they raving and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaves in my jaws, and, and, and you does lay me in the dust of the death. For the dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers have encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Does that ring a bell with anybody? 
you know, centuries before the crucifixion, there is a there is a description of the crucifixion more clear than we get in the four gospels. They didn't have to describe it to the people of the first century who received the gospels. They were they were in the Roman Empire and knew exactly what the crucifixion was all about. They were done on a regular basis all over the empire. So they were well aware and didn't need the description. Same thing about scourging, right? It says he was scourged. It was never described. Didn't have to describe it. Those readers that received these original manuscripts, they knew exactly what scourging was all about. Okay? So, again, that's why we don't necessarily have all the little details because... You know, it was written to that group of people, so it's up to us. If you want to find out, we've got to go back in history and find out what that was all about. And that's the job of the Bible student, which why it, you don't throw these together in a couple of minutes. You know, it's just, it takes time. Isaiah 53, another one that, I mean, we have to be, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53. I think it's, this is one of those things that if I were God's dictator on earth, which I'm not and I'm glad I'm not, I would insist we'd all understand what Psalm 22 is talking about and Isaiah 53 as well. It is so important. And I would, I don't even think I would have to, I'm not a gambler, but I would bet the farm <laughs> that Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 are going to be matters of serious preaching during that tribulation period <laughs> when the message comes from Israel to the world again. It's, or through Israel, I should say. So, Isaiah 53, but that's for another day. Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, and he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that has led the slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before his shears, so he, did not, he, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and for, and for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people to whom the stroke was due. And if you want to add a little sweetener to this one, his grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet, he was with a rich man in his death. Remember what happened? What would, well, again, a little, go back in history, people that were hung on the cross for crimes, where would they wind up? Over the edge in Potter's Field, the garbage dump. That's where normally he would have been assigned. But where did he wind up? Okay. But in this case, he was buried with a rich man. He was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, a very wealthy man. Okay, as opposed to being heaped over the ledge, like, like the two guys that were crucified with him. That's where they wound up. Okay. All right. That's an interesting point. And he will have nothing, it says. Well, having nothing refers to, quite frankly, it doesn't refer to his uh, portfolio. Okay? It refers to having no honor, no respect, nothing of his own. I mean, Isaiah 53 says he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him okay um john 1 1 or excuse me john 1 11, he came to his own and those who were his own did 
not receive him. All right? He came, he was born into the land of Israel, and the nation Israel as a whole rejected him. Yes, individuals believed, but the nation rejected him. And then we can keep going. We don't have to. I mean, we, we know the story. We know that that's true, and that did, in fact, happen. And where it says, back to Daniel 9, desolations are determined, verse 26. Let me just read 26 again. And after 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. And then it kind of like a, a semi- desolations are determined. Kind of like wrapping up that whole statement. I mean, desolations, plural, are determined. In other words, from the time of Christ on, desolations are just going to happen again and again and again and again. And you just look through human history. That's been the story of the Jewish people. I mean, in more recent history to us, you know, you've got the, the Holocaust of the Holocaust of the 30s and 40s, you know. At the, and you had, uh, and even after that, they were persecuted in Russia. They were, they're, they're persecuted all over the Middle East. Uh, there's that little tiny nation that's a fraction of what the promised nation is to be. Um, everybody around them wants to wipe them out. I mean, it's just uh, even some in our country. Um, anyway, that's just the way it is. Yeah, it says, yeah, and having nothing but the people of the prince who is to come. Now, okay, now that's where, again, you have to kind of pay attention to the group. You're right, that the, the people of the prince who is to come. So they're like the people of that future prince are going to cause a lot of problems. They're going to start destroying things. The people of the prince, the people, Rome. The prince in this statement, Antichrist. Again, Rome now is that fourth empire we saw in Daniel 7.7. And the prince of that people is the little horn, Daniel 7.8. 7.7 talks about the people. 7.8, the little horn is the Antichrist. Right? Does that, if you remember back to the lessons on Daniel's, the prophecy of Daniel 7, the, the nations described as beasts. See, it's all consistent. You just go back. That's why I went through Daniel Daniel 2 the, interprets the statue, the dream about the statue, four nations. And then you dream about the four animals, right? And then you get down to that fourth one, it, just like in the statue, the fourth animal, more information. And it's different from the others that it said. And then now you just keep moving. It keeps building. Now each, as Daniel moves through these prophecies, which are given to him at different stages of his life, Okay? Daniel 9, his prayer, was uh, in the first year of Darius. Okay, you go back to uh, Daniel 7. Um, this prophecy was given him in the first year of Belshazzar. Now, Belshazzar was the, was the king where saw the writing on the wall. Not a good message. That, that was that Belshazzar. 
and then you move into the Medo-Persian Empire, and Daniel's still around, and um, he's praying again. You move into Daniel chapter 10, you've got the third year of Cyrus, and I think Daniel 11 and the first year of Darius the Mede. There's another guy. So, I mean, it's just as, as Daniel moves on in life, he's given more and more and more. He's given more. He's writing it, writing it, writing it. And if you, you, Daniel, you can kind of see it in two spots. The first six chapters is primarily historical information with some prophecy, basically what we saw in that dream of Daniel 2. And then chapters 7 through 12 is pretty much all prophecy with a little bit of history mixed in. That's just the way the book is divided. And that confuses people sometimes too. Because all of a sudden, where'd these people come from? You know, where'd this guy go? But if you just kind of follow, it just, again, scripture with scripture and move on through. Now, are we good so far about who everybody and everything is in verse 26? Now, the fourth empire, one of the things we, and as we're still in our notes here, the last section, the fourth empire, again, is always shown in two parts. All right? It's always shown in two parts. I'm going to go back to Daniel 7. We won't go to 2 this time. We'll just go back to Daniel 7, 23 to 25. 7:23. Thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all other kingdoms, and it will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the ten horns of of this kingdom, ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones, and will subdue three kings. And he will speak out against the Most High, and wear down the saints of the highest one, and he will intend to make alterations in the times and law. And I don't think we need to go into all that, but just to know that it's two parts. And then when they get to that, they talk, every time they talk about that second part, things get added up. Like right here, uh, they talk about that little horn. It says, verse 25, speak out against the most high. That's that little horn that we was earlier talked about. That's that little horn with the big mouth, okay? Always speaking, 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 vile things against the Lord. Blasphemies, blasphemies. Basically, you can read in Revelation where he is going to say, worship me. And that's where this is going we're going to talk about him later, but just to keep things straight. Again, they're looking all the way to the end. And what happens if you have your have this? Now, this here, I've got the tribulation period, and the church age is before it. Now, remember, that tribulation period is Daniel's 70th week. Now, what happened? See, prophecy, the prophecy is written here, not even seeing the church. Remember what? Think back, those of you that were here when we did uh, Ephesians. What's the church to the rest, to the Israel? The church is a mystery. And it's more than, it's a mystery from the perspective of, of uh, Ephesians, mystery because it was a mystery that Jew and Gentile could be together, but it's even a bigger mystery that the fact that the church as scriptures being delivered to Israel is not mentioned. They didn't know anything about it. The church is a mystery. We're like a parenthesis 
between week 69 and week 70. Week 69 ends. After that, Messiah is cut off. And we can fill in the history from that point on. We have the Gospels and the Epistles. That give, and then Revelation takes us out into that 70th week. And that's how it works. So if you think about it in those terms, and again, next week, I'm thinking about going into that 70th week and talk about that, but I'm, I'm, deba- I'm having a debate whether to do, go right into the 70th week, which is verse 27 and other passages, or talk about the difference between Israel and the church, or do we, we pretty squirt away on that? Okay, then I think what I'm going to do then, I'm going to probably then go right just to stay consistent with Daniel, I'm going to go ahead and do the, a little bit of both. I'm going to bring up the church again, show some differences, but at the same time, I want to complete Daniel's 70th weeks and then pick off the differences and then review. And uh, as you articulate your questions, perhaps I can articulate a decent answer, okay? <laughs> That's how they consider it, but fortunately for us, in, in terms of understanding the prophetic flow, that doesn't hurt us one way or the other. We're okay. We're okay with it. It doesn't bother us. One, namely, one reason is we know who Messiah is, and that would be the big thing. We know who Messiah is. One thing these, all these numbers and dates do, it takes us right into the basic time frame of when Messiah was in fact walking the earth so it does that no matter which one you use yeah we're going to be off our calculations our figure are going to be off you know we're not inspired scripture is right so it's going to get us right there so we know okay good and see I'm happy with that I, I, I can live with that I don't have to know every minute little thing you know especially when you Read through Revelation, you know, I don't have to know what every little bug means and <laughs> whatever they're talking about, I, you know, as long as I know, okay, this is how it's going to work. And the biggest piece of information uh, about that, uh, about, and this is one of the, remember, you read Revelation, you get a blessing. Read and understand, you get a blessing. Most people read in about, you know, six, six pages in. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Well, we'll catch you later. But, uh, but seriously, it's, it's, there's a blessing there, and the big blessing is when all that stuff hits the fan, we're not there. And we're going to talk about that because we're, I'm going to do Daniel's 70th week, and then we've got to come back and how does the church fit in with this and talk about, okay, now what about the rapture and all that? Where does it wind up? Because some say it's pre-tribulation. Some say it's in the middle. Some say it's at the end. Stay tuned. So let's do the 70th week, then we'll come back and... See how the church figures in. Okay, we're good. We can pick it up here next time. And uh, let's, let's close. So we can pick it up on page two about uh, that fourth critter. And then we'll go right on into the 70th week and then go back in and talk about how the church figures in, rapture, and all that stuff. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, thank you for this time together. And we just pray, Lord, as we look at these things that can indeed be confusing, that we don't let it throw us, we don't let it discourage us from um, 
studying the word. And again, Lord, too, we just thank you that we can trust the word and, and trust that, yes, there are spots that we don't understand, but that we know your word is true, you are truth, and Lord, we are especially thankful that you are indeed our God and we're your people. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Bob. You're welcome.